This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global Insure Tech Series. My name is Nick Hoadley, and each week I'm going to be interviewing a leading insure tech executive to find out more about the technology opportunities that are there for the insurance industry, whether that's for brokers, carriers, or direct to policyholders. And I'll also be looking at and exploring the different career opportunities available for people from within the insurance industry. So please join me each week as we learn more and we discover what advice they have for insurance leaders looking to make that move into an insure tech or a startup business. Today, I'm joined by Ron Glosman, who is the CEO and founder of Chisel, based in Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Ron, the pleasure's all ours. Really looking forward to hearing more about Chisel and the, the great work you're doing there. Before we start on that, though, do you mind giving the listeners a bit of an insight into your background and how the business came about? For sure. So my background is actually in technology rather than insurance. And so uh, I've been a developer for a long time now. I started very young and I went to university or college for it. And in my third year of study there, or actually my second year of study there, I was sitting there and I was reading my textbook and I just said, there has to be a better way because these textbooks are like a thousand pages long and the exams like one, well, not one, but 10 to 20 pages, which is one to 2% of the information. Yeah. And so I said, what if I could teach a computer how to read and summarize these textbooks? What I really want is a one page summary for every chapter in the book. And so being a computer science student, I said, yep, sounds very simple. Hint, it wasn't very simple at all, but I started working on it after about a semester. I got it to the point where I could stop going to class. I could you know, play video games all day, do whatever I want, but still get straight A's. I still had a scholarship and all of that. And so my friends were like, hey, this is really cool. You should put this out on the App Store. And so I put it out there on Google Chrome Web App Store. And you know, in the first couple of days, I got like 187 downloads, which is just like me and my friends and a couple of people from the university. And about two weeks later, it went viral. Somebody found it, shared it on Product Hunt, which is like the number one source in San Francisco, California for like hot up and coming startups and products. And so somebody posted it there and it ended up hitting the front page. It was one of the 10 hottest apps of the day, which meant it got like 10,000 hits, 2000 plus users signed up. Like it was amazing. And so mm -hmm. It quickly went on, you know, I'll fast forward a little bit, you know, two years went on to be one of the best 50 apps for students of all time, as, you know, as named by Google. It was in 33 countries, 44 of the top Ivy League schools in the world, Princeton, Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Russia, India, Brazil, Portugal, Switzerland, Netherlands, England, like you name it, it was on every continent, obviously, except Antarctica. Penguins are cute, but they don't read. And so... <laughs> I worked on it as a hobby basically for two years. And yeah. then in 2016, I went to a, a conference to speak about natural language processing, which is basically a fancy way to say teaching computers how to read. And so when I presented there, somebody in the audience saw my presentation, sent me an email and said, hey, I think insurance can really benefit. 
do you have five minutes to chat? And so at the time, this was still an app for students. I didn't really know anything mm-hmm. about insurance. All I knew was that this company, their name was on the front jersey of Manchester United, for those of you who watch soccer. So I was like, okay, probably have a lot of money. And so I was like, all right, let's chat, met up with them. Basically, the senior VP educated me about policy check and errors and omissions and basically how as a broker, they have a fiduciary duty to make sure that, you know, all the endorsements are there and the exclusions are correct and the limits are correct and that they're not missing anything and a whole bunch of stuff that takes a long time for somebody to do. And they said, do you think you can automate this using, you know, the same software that reads textbooks, teach it to read insurance binders, policies, quotes, everything that they need. And again, being a naive 19 year old, I was like, yeah, hundred percent, let's do it. And so uh, they cut me the biggest check I'd ever seen up, up to that point in my life. I basically dropped out of school and have spent the last eight years of my life working on this and the last five years specifically in insurance. But that's a quick journey of my technical entrance into the insurance world. And now I'm obviously a lot more versed having spent the last five years in insurance. We went on to win the Zerk Innovation World Championship in 2019. We won the Accord Innovation Challenge. So I like to think I know a little bit, but as you know, the more you you learn, the more you know, the less that you actually know. Ron, that's awesome. That's such, such a brilliant story. I know there's going to be a couple of questions that our listeners will want to want to hear first. Those who are still studying for their insurance exams will be wondering if the app's still available to go through their textbooks. No, unfortunately, I had to take it down because too much work for very little return on investment compared to a paid product. Fair enough. And yeah, as, as we're in the insurance coffee house today, we must ask you, you know, you sound like you're on fully charged, raring to go at all points. What's your go-to coffee of choice in the morning, Ron? Okay. I, kn- I knew this question was going to come up. I actually don't drink coffee. I like tea. So I, I, I don't know if that's a bit of a cop-out, but I love tea. I'm a big connoisseur of tea, lo- loose leaf tea. I don't like the yeah. stuff in bags. I like the stuff in bags is nice. Yeah. But I will answer the question a different way, which is I went to Costa Rica when I was young. I was very fortunate. My parents took me traveling a lot. And, I, and actually, my first cup of coffee was one that I picked myself in Costa Rica off a tree. It was like a four hour process. We dried it. We roasted it. We crushed it. We made it. And that was the best cup of coffee I've ever had. And no cup of coffee has ever lived up to it. So yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think we might just edit your aunt, the tea answer out of the, uh... <laughs> we'll just go with, go with that great story there. You like that? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Really cool. <laughs> Well, I really want to dig more into the business. So really exciting story and how you how you launched and how you took it from a revision academic tool into the insurance industry via via a company who sponsored Manchester United. So I'm sure most of our listeners will will know the the brokerage there. How did that transition materialize? What was the journey there to where the business is now? So it started in that conference. It went on, as I said, for about eight weeks, a couple of meetings, learning about that. And then the initial journey was six months. That's how long it took for me to, first of all, acquire the data. So as part of a machine learning process, what you have to do is you have to acquire a data set and you have to go through a process called labeling, which involves basically highlighting the information that you're looking for many, many times over. Mm. That way you can teach the machine to look for that information. So it took me about six months to get all the data I needed, catalog it, label it, and then build the initial model. We went live with that, or, or we did a, a proof of concept, and they, they gave us you know, 200 files, and they said, how many mistakes are there? 
and we caught 23 out of 24 mistakes that they put in there. And so they said that was, you know, like 97% or more. And they were very, very happy with that. We then took that same technology down the street to one of their biggest competitors. And with them, we did a 10-day pilot because it was so much easier. Again, obviously, after the first time, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I would say the, the journey took six months plus three months of education before that, and obviously years of, of work before that. So, And where is the accuracy now? Uh, how accurate and how does it compare to a human being reviewing the documents? Yes. So we actually don't like to think of it as a head-to-head competition because we use something called a human in the loop where our goal is to work hand in hand and make the process faster and better than it is. So what happens is the machine will make a prediction and it will say, does this look right or wrong? And so think about this. Let's say today you have to read several hundred pages just to find all of the limits and and start to compare them. What if the machine says, hey, I think this is the one limit that's wrong and just highlights it for you on the exact page in yellow. So it saves you what, what we do is called a search space reduction problem. Instead of hundreds of pages, you now have the one relevant page. And so then you can just say, yep, you're right. Or no, you're wrong. That's actually looks okay to me. And then the machine gets better and faster over time. And so our goal is to take a process today that takes usually four hours to you know, several tens of minutes. Let's say 30 minutes or less is ultimately the goal. And so um, that's, that's the way we like to think about that. Awesome. Where is the business at the moment, Ron? I know we talked previously about some exciting opportunities that the business has. But where's the business right now? Yeah, so... Obviously, it's still COVID. So right now, we're, we're still uh, a little bit landlocked in Canada, but we're very excited. You know, hopefully the second half of 2021 will, will be a lot more open and we'll have the ability to go back to trade shows. I hear that ITC should be happening and a lot, a lot of things like that. So we're excited to, to come out swinging, I would say, out of the gates. We've been working on a lot of cool stuff. There'll be some press releases, I think, in the coming several weeks about some really big partnership that we've spent the last couple of months working on, especially on the BPO front, I think. So I would say keep your eyes out for that. As far as the things that might excite the listeners, I would say one of the biggest things that we've been focused on is figuring out a really, really smooth user interface. Because I I talked a little bit with you just now about working hand in hand and and how important that is. And I think technology is is important, but technology is oftentimes just a a tool in in a large toolbox that we have to help make your job easier. And the way you interface with that tool most of the time, unless you're a programmer and using APIs, is through this graphical user interface. And so this is like version three or four of our application, I would say, as far as the UI is concerned. And so rather than even any of the cool technological things that we've done, we're most excited about this new user interface that we're soon going to announce and and talk about a little bit more. And so if anybody would like to check it out, I would say, you know, check out www.chisel.ai. Happy to give you a demo. We'll also be showing it off at ITC, which should be happening in November. And uh, we're going to be doing a fundraise as well. So I think you'll see Chisel will only be getting bigger, more innovative as time goes on. Nice plug there, Ron. I don't mind that at all. I'll take my royalties at the at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of the product itself, who derives the most benefit, would you say, in the insurance industry? Who's the sort of number one target market that can really benefit from the solution? 
I think the answer is carriers. And, and I think it, it depends how you look at it. I don't think it's by number of companies because obviously there's only so many carriers, but there's lots of brokerages, like lots of small mom and pop, you know, brokerages. And so I think as far as the number of users, those probably be brokers. But as far as the largest impact, it's probably on the carrier side because these companies are just so much larger. And so when we talk about things like submission intake, so how do we be faster? How do we get that submission coming in via email or portal or even fax sometimes unfortunately i still hear about how do we get it literally within 30 seconds from receival into our crm cnr sanctions quoting rating all the different systems that we need to get it to how do we do that literally in 10 seconds because today it takes hours and then comes the next question how do we prioritize that business because not all businesses the same Different companies have different risk appetites. And so I, I, I for sure think the carriers will probably be the ones that are more impacted just because of their size. But we, we love our broker partners and we're actually 50-50 in terms of how many customers we have that are brokers and carriers, although obviously the carriers are larger. Yeah, the larger, the larger deals, but just as many brokers as well. In terms of the technology itself, are you able to tailor it towards each individual customer you said the technology speeds up and gets better and better as it's used is that, is that because it's getting used to reading the same data over and over again or how does that work so it comes down to a couple of factors so one is that the more data that it sees and it's it's actually like an exponential function so the first you know 1000 or 10000 examples get you a good amount of the way there 70 80% maybe then you add another 90000 so you get to 100000 examples and you're only at like 85 or 90% accurate and then you add another 900000 so now you're at a million another 10x jump and you're only at 90% like the the jumps are incrementally smaller for more data so one factor is that the more data the less mistakes the faster it gets that's one way to think about it and then the other ai is that that it learns and depending on how the system is set up and, and different customers want it a little bit differently. But in an ideal world, all customers benefit from the learning. So think about this. The brokers all sell the same product in some sense. They're selling a carrier's product. Yeah. And so when one broker uses it to check a policy, maybe they check 100, let's say, inland marine policies, and their, their bread and butter is just general like commercial yeah. Business insurance. Yeah. They do 10,000. A data set of 100 will not be enough to actually build a model for Inland Marine. Mm -hmm. But then we work with Broker B, who has the exact opposite book of business. They only do 100 general policies because they don't like that type of business. And they write 10,000 Inland Marine pop. Uh, policies because that's their bread and butter. And so they contribute data to that data set that makes that model. The other guys contribute the data set and together they all benefit. So the yeah. rising tide raises all boats, right? Yeah, 100%. Ron, a question that I'm really looking forward to asking you here. You, you've clearly been a visionary from a, from a very young age. How do you see the insurance industry profession changing over the next five years with technology like yours how do you how do you see the insurance market adapting and improving over this time so I'll de i definitely think there'll be a lot of changes and i'll, I'll start actually with i think context because i think context is so important and so the data that we have and and, and studies have shown is that within the next 10 to 15 years more than 55% of people in the insurance industry will retire just because it's primarily a slightly older crowd. 
the at least in the United States, the amount of people graduating college and entering the insurance workforce is only about 4% of graduates, which when you multiply out the math is not enough to stem the flow of retirees. There will be a shrinkage in workforce. And so in some sense, companies will need to be more efficient just to operate at the same capacity and scale that they're doing today, let alone grow, which is obviously everybody's ambition. Nobody wants to be the same size as they were last year. The other piece of that is these really skilled knowledge workers who spent 30 years to 50 years or 40 years of their career in these companies are going to leave. And these guys have, you know, you've invested in them a lot. They they know better than anybody else how to check policies or how to do intake or whatever the underwriting, whatever they need to do. And so the other beautiful thing is that machines can learn and bridge that knowledge gap, because if you let it learn from your best people, you will be as, as good as your best people. One of the beautiful things is there's this age old saying of like, you're only as fast as the slowest in your group. With AI, you can you can sort of trim out the data to say, I only want to be as good as my best people. And guess what? All those people who are retiring can train the machine to be as good as they are. And then that machine working in hand with the new college graduate is as good, if not better than those retirees and able to keep up at the same level of output or better. And so I think the industry will look largely the same from the outside. I think from the inside will be a lot more efficient. We'll have less people working in the industry and they'll be doing more interesting jobs. There'll be less data entry. There'll be less, mm. less of these routine mundane tasks and a lot more of the judgment work, which is the yeah. stuff that machines today don't really do well. So you're very much an enabler rather than just looking to disrupt the market. It's about enabling, helping these businesses through the tricky period they have with succession planning over the next couple of decades. Exactly. I'm sure that'd be music to the ears of a lot of the insurance executives listening to the show today. Ron, that brings us nicely on to the espresso round. I know you like your coffee from uh, Costa Rica. So are you ready for an espresso round? Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. The espresso round. Ron, what is the current percentage of your employees who are from an insurance background compared to a, a non-insurance background? We just actually ran the numbers, 35%. What value can you see in a high-performing insurance career, someone coming to, to join your firm? For sure. I think that those people have the best insights into where there can be efficiencies to be found. And, and that's why we love to hire these people. A lot of our employees come from you know large companies like Travelers and Zurich and some of the large brokerages. And those people, one, have the inside experience of working on the other side of the table. So now that they're on, they're on our side of the table, they can give us the insights. And two, they are the best. They usually work with us in customer success and those types of roles, sometimes working even with their former colleague. And so like, like we talked about earlier, working hand in hand is what we want to do. We're not here to, to sort of change the whole picture. And so uh, these people can benefit from us, on the other hand, from learning a little bit of the tech side, right? Like having that on their career resume. A lot of these people get to see a side of the business that they never got to see. Oftentimes they were just dealing with like paperwork and things like that. Now they get to see how we can help enable it. And so we love hiring people from the industry, people who are forward thinking, people who want to learn and people who think that there's a better way. Because that's the most important thing is if you believe anything is possible. Absolutely. So you're saying that when you when you bring in people from the insurance industry, especially if they're from those big carriers, they can spot the 
potential efficiencies that it can serve to those clients. But also within their roles, within those carriers, they might already be working in positions where they're looking at the processes, they're looking at how to make things more efficient, how to make the customer journey more enjoyable from the customer as well and and for from the employee's perspective you know if they can give them a tool that actually makes their day more interesting more efficient more productive then it's going to lead to a happier workforce as well so that's great to hear i think you just touched on it there but what what are the sort of personalities that you look for that would be successful in your team there yeah so we believe that it's really really important to provide our team with the opportunity to one continually learn I think that learning is is the key to any career. And, and we know that most of the time these people are, are going to move on. You know, yeah. for me, it's it's my my passion. But for many people, it's just an, a career and, and a step in the in their career. So one is to learn. So we have like l- lunch and learns, which we're big fans of. Those are usually employee led. So somebody will get up there. We, we have a, a paid lunch that we pay for and uh, they'll talk about something that they think will be interesting to everybody else or is interesting to them. I think the other thing is the ability. And, and so that's the ability to learn and to share knowledge. That was the second one. And I think finally, it's the ability to be involved in cross-organizational initiatives. I talked a little bit about how people coming from the industry will probably have been an underwriter or they'll have been a broker, but they'll never have worked with an engineer or or they might have worked with an engineer in passing, but they've never worked hand in hand with an engineer. So I said 33 or so percent of our employees come from a tech background and sorry, from an insurance background. The others come from a tech background, which is about 70 or 66 percent of our employees. And so... Most of their colleagues aren't insurance professionals like they are at any other insurance company. They're technology people. And so it's the ability for them to become really, really high performers, engaged in a business that's critical to their success, to the industry's success, to then learn and go back, maybe back into the industry Mm. and then have a position of leadership because Mm. they have that hands-on experience and where and how technology can be used to change that business or even better they can become entrepreneurs. Maybe they'll go out and they'll start their own brokerage or their own carrier business. And then they know exactly how to do it because now they've been on both sides of the table. So I think there's a lot for somebody from the from the industry to learn from us. That's great. I, I love that commitment to career development that you have there. That's that's really exciting, I think, for anybody wanting to learn and to improve their skills and, and experience. What are the factors that you see lacking when recruiting people for the insurance industry? What are some of the things that you find are slightly frustrating compared with hiring from a non-insurance background. I don't think there's anything lacking per se, because I think that experience is is what we're interested in. So I'll mm. say, what are some of the enhancements that I think people could have? And so I think one of the really big things is basic understanding of, of technology and, and, and skills. And so today, I think a lot of colleges offer this, and I think it's mm maybe more for people who aren't graduating, but maybe have been out of college for the last couple of years. But anybody who has taken a programming course, I think is a head and shoulders above everybody else. And they don't have to be great. It could have been a database course. It doesn't have to be an in-depth machine learning course, which is like the most complex stuff. I think that's one thing that is a bonus for sure. If somebody has gone and can understand a little bit of the tech stuff, and I think it'll be useful even in your day-to-day life. Mm. I can't tell you how many times if you could write a VBA script, you could automate something in Excel and save yourself 
hours of work. Like people wouldn't believe it. I, I like come in, I'll write something for five minutes and they're like, oh my God, you, I took me days to do this last time. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like this is why you should just learn. It's not that hard. And so learning from the master there. Yeah. So I'd say that's one skill that uh, definitely enhances your resume. Yeah. I think another skill that enhances people's resume would be sports hiring from people who have sports backgrounds because that experience of working in a team, that experience of communication, and obviously different, there's different sports. Some like a sport could be like a swimming, which is like a one person thing. And, and so I'll be a little bit more general, still good. I think the competitive nature, the yeah. ability to learn from your mistakes, to go back and watch the tape or mm. listen to your coach and say, okay, here's what I need to do better next time. Mm. And then go back and do it again and try mm. again and get up when you fall down. I think that skill set is important, not just in this industry, any industry. I don't necessarily think it's lacking either. I'm just saying, I think anybody who has that background definitely is is a winner in my books. We've, we've touched on it just slightly there with programming side of things, but if there is an executive or an insurance professional working for a carrier or a broker at the moment, but wants to wants to move into the insurance technology space what would be your advice be to them in terms of preparing themselves to move into a tech company so they can be successful i would start with the motivation maybe maybe this is a different quite slightly different path but i would start with the motivation because if your answer is like oh i want to go into tech because it's going to be a billion dollar company and i'm going to have this percent of this big number and it's like i'm going to retire then i think you have the completely wrong motivations to do this Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. i think one is like why and then two is is having realistic expectations because it's not all like you see on tv and the movies and you read about on like TechCrunch and startup news and like all those places it's hard work it's definitely hard work i would say working in a tech company is probably a lot more difficult i don't know i can't speak because i haven't worked for a big uh insurance company but working for a tech startup is no joke like the it's long hours hard work you know sometimes you come very close to running out of money it's pretty it's a pretty common thing and sometimes you do run out of money like 90 something percent of startups fail so there's no glory in it i would say but at the same time it's one of the best learning experiences because taking something from nothing to something is a lot more than being a cog in the wheel in some sense right like your employee one out of X hundred thousand or 10,000 in one of these big companies mm-hmm. versus your employee one out of 10, one out of 20, one out of 30, right? Very different impact. So I'd say if anybody's listening and, and is interested, we are always hiring. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I, think, I think that answer is a great answer, particularly around the motivation. I think people are entering into it for the right reasons and they've got every, every chance of being successful. But if it's just that shiny object if they just think the grass is greener and it might be a quick win then yeah that's when it's going to fall down in in the reality of it thank you for that ron just before we finish today do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners and how would they go about reaching out to you after the show so my advice to the listeners would be to one dream big because i think the industry is very old which means it's ripe for opportunities. It's one of the oldest industries in the world, but still, and a lot of it has to do with regulatory compliance and a lot of things that you can't change. But I would I would encourage you to dream big and dare, dare to take a leap of faith and try it. I would also encourage you to find partners along the journey because 
without partners is going to be very difficult. Those partners are going to be employees. Those partners could be investors. Those partners could be like customers, which I prefer to think of as partners because a customer implies a one-way relationship. Like I'm paying you money for the service versus a partner is a win-win sort of for both people. And so I encourage you to dream big, find partners to help you along the journey. And then finally, I would say to be persistent because it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of time, especially in this industry, a lot of time. Sales cycles are long. You know, Compliance reviews are very long. Technology audits are long. Everything takes a long time. So be persistent. Keep your head up and dream big. Dream big. Thank you so much, Ron. I think what you what you said about learning, having having a really fast learning experience at a, at a company like yours, and potentially, you know, taking it back to those insurance companies in the future. You know, they're going to gain a lot of skills, a lot of experience, and who knows what what that's going to do to them for their long long term career journey. So, I think if there are people out there now considering a move into insurtech, you want to be committed, but it, it doesn't have to be for the, the rest of your career and you can take some, some really great learnings with you as you continue on throughout your working life. Ron, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed listening to you, your your passion, first of all, for your for your business, but inspiring others to learn as well. I found it really interesting discussion today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Ron, pleasure's certainly been all ours, and I'm sure our listeners would have gained an awful lot of learnings and insights wherever they are in the world today. On that front, listeners, if you do enjoy the show, please remember to subscribe so that you receive great episodes like this into your podcast app each week automatically. Until next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsurTech Series. Take care. Yeah. And if people want to connect with me, you can find me, Ron Glosman, on LinkedIn. Post a lot on there. You can find me on Twitter at Ron Glosman. And then, of course, through our website, www.chisel.ai, you can, we have a contact form. You'll be able to find me there. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.